We are in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, 6, 14 to 20. This is our last study in this series on the book of Ephesians. Title of this message is Battle Ready. Maybe you're battling a flu or a cold this morning. I hope you're not. But uh, there are many different kinds of battles that people are fighting around us. One common, very common battle scene, at least in North America, is the battle of a goal line stand. The, the defensive team is defending their end zone and they're on the goal line and so they're very aware of their team strategy. The defensive linemen are in their stance. They're equipped for the battle. They're aware of what the other team is doing. They need to be attuned to the opposing team strategy on the alert. Another common battle scene in our society is the courtroom. And so the defense lawyer, she needs to be aware of her client's story, have an understanding of the law, of judicial proceedings, of case history, needs to have a strategy to make the defense, but also needs to be aware of the strategy of the prosecution. So the defense lawyer needs to be on the alert. At some level, we all feel like we are in a battle. And if we are in a battle, we need to know where we stand, who we are. We need to know who the opposition is and react accordingly. In Ephesians, Paul just lays out the foundation for the gospel in the first three chapters. And then when he gets to chapter four, he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He encourages the Ephesian believers to walk united, to walk as one. They are to walk in the light. They are to walk with wisdom. They're to walk full of the Holy Spirit. And then in a chapter 6, instead of saying walk, he says stand. He makes a powerful call to stand, a military term that would be used just before an army was to stand in battle, a call from the general, and he makes a passionate plea for the Ephesians to stand. Why such a passionate plea? Well, Paul is aware of the nature of the enemy. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, he talks about the nature of the spiritual enemy that is powerful, evil, and cunning. The Ephesians are to stand in the evil day. He refers to the whole age as being evil in chapter 5, but there are those days when we feel special pressure, a specific satanic onslaught. And how do you stand in that day? Well, the Lord has not left us defenseless. In chapter 6, verse 10, he says that we stand in the strength of his might, the Lord's might. And he also refers to an armor that we are to put on. Well, what is that armor? And how do we put it on? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Chapter 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel." 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. In the original, that's just one long run-on sentence, 14 all the way to 20. Paul is chained to a Roman bodyguard, and I imagine that that Roman bodyguard inspires Paul's imagination. He knows that Christians, if they're unstable, they fall prey to the devil. He knows that he needs to stand. And so he uses the soldier's armor, the common armor of a Roman soldier to be a picture of the spiritual resources that we have in Christ. He details six pieces of armor. He talks about a belt. He talks about a breastplate. He talks about shoes. He talks about a helmet, about a sword, a shield. Six pieces of armor. And they all signify something in our war against the enemy. We are to put these things on, to take them up, It's our responsibility to put them on. In your walk with Jesus, are there moments of confusion? (laughs) Are there moments when you are enticed by the lies of the enemy? When you're just not sure? Well, if that is ever true for you, then this first piece of armor is critical. Having fastened on the belt of truth, The belt of a Roman soldier was a leather apron bound around the soldier. It kept his garments together. It held his sword. It was basic to everything that he would put on, foundational. It ensured that he was free to move, able to make that stand. So what does it mean for us to put on the belt of truth? What would Paul be referring to? To put on the belt of truth is, in essence, to put on Jesus, the revelation of God in Jesus and in Scripture. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, Paul says that, hey, Ephesians, when you came to faith in Christ, you learned from him, you heard from him, you received the word of truth, you were taught by Jesus. Now stand in the truth. If you're in union with Christ, you are in him, you are equipped. When Jesus uh, stood before Pilate in John chapter 18, Pilate comes to Jesus with a question. He says, are you the king of the Jews? And how does Jesus answer? John chapter 18, verse 37, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? That's a common question today, isn't it? Well, what is truth anyways? In chapter 14 of John, Jesus had said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus stands before Pilate, he says, well, what is truth? And just hours later, Jesus will be crucified on a cross, and he will triumph over the powers of darkness to reign forevermore. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He was raised from the dead forever vindicated. 
And so when we stand armed with the truth of God revealed in Jesus, we stand in the truth of his victory over death, over sin, over the evil one. We stand in the truth of the gospel which dispels Satan's lies with his deceit, with his hypocrisy. It dispels all of that and Jesus sets us free. When we're standing in the truth, we don't pay attention to the half-truths of the enemy. You see, the battle with powerful, cunning evil spiritual beings, it is much more of a truth encounter, much more of a truth battle than a power encounter because Jesus has already won the battle. Satan is a defeated, cursed foe. But he comes at us with lies. When we're in the truth, we stand in the truth and we're empowered to walk in the truth. We speak the truth within love. We walk away from deceit. We walk away from hypocrisy. We stand battle ready, having fastened the belt of truth. We stand in the truth, Jesus, and we speak the truth in love in all of our relationships. That's the way of faith. Are you ever plagued by guilt? By feelings of guilt? Then understanding the second piece of armor is essential for you. Having Put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of a, a Roman soldier, it was a, a coat of chain mail. It covered his chest, back, hips. It was his major piece of armor. Protected all of his vital organs, including the heart. Are you ever plagued with a guilty conscience? You know, the enemy loves to remind us of past sins. He would love to have us stay bound to those things that we have done wrong in the past. Or maybe you sinned yesterday or even this morning. And he, the enemy would have us just wallow in guilt, immobilized. We need to remember that we were saved by grace through simple faith in Christ. We were declared righteous before God when we came to faith in Christ. We were clothed with a righteousness not our own, but Christ. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes, He made him who, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we, when we stand in the battle, we stand before the enemy, yes, but more importantly, we stand before God, and God has declared us Righteous, not condemned, accepted, with Jesus interceding for us, protecting us from all, protecting all that is vital to us, dispelling those feelings of guilt. What better defense against the accuser of the brethren than Jesus himself? What better defense against the slanderer of our souls than Jesus? And you might ask, but... What if I have sinned? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit reminding me of my sin. 
And it is true that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, John 16, verse 8. He does. But when he convicts us of sin, he leads us to repentance so that we turn from sin and turn to Jesus and his righteousness. The Holy Spirit will never leave us in that place of despair, of depression, of wallowing in guilt. So the voice that we hear, does the voice not only convict us of sin, but also encourage us? console us, lead us to healing, to restoration, because that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will never leave us in a place where we are beating ourselves up, paralyzed, wallowing in guilt. When we surrendered our lives to Jesus, Ephesians 4.24, we put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we have been declared righteousness. And that righteousness, which is now ours in Christ, it empowers us, it enables us to live rightly. And so in the midst of a spiritual battle, We may be offended by someone, but we don't stay in that place of bitterness, of unforgiveness. We extend grace because we've received grace. We may have a lie thrown in our direction, but we do not stay in the place of deceit. We do not enter into deceit. We speak the truth in love. We act rightly. We work to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. We stand battle ready, having fastened the breastplate of righteousness, standing in the righteousness of Jesus and living rightly. Are you ever fearful? Are you sometimes afraid? I am. Well, then this next piece of armor is critical for us. This third piece, verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so we are to strap on some shoes. Paul has in mind the half boot of the Roman soldier, strapped to the ankle, to the shins, had a thick leather sole, studded with hollow-headed hobnails, So those shoes that the Roman soldier wore enabled him to stand even in a muddy place, a slippery place. The soldier could stand, rest secure. What are the shoes that the Lord gives us? Well, believers, they are to have on their feet the readiness of the gospel of peace. That word readiness, it means firm foundation. The solidity, the sureness, the sure-footedness of the gospel of peace. So no matter how stormy the day, no matter how hard the battle is raging, we can actually stand there just resting in the presence of God, enjoying a true Sabbath in the presence of God. No matter what is happening around us, we stand. Jesus himself is our peace. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. He brought Jews and Gentiles together that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing 
the hostility. And so being at peace with God, we're empowered by the Spirit to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. The reality of the gospel of peace in our lives, it empowers us to work for peace among our brothers and sisters. It provides a readiness as well to proclaim the gospel of peace. Paul says in chapter 2 of Ephesians that Jesus came and preached peace. Fulfilling Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Jesus came publishing peace. And of course, Paul applies that text to believers in Romans chapter 10 when he talks about the gospel being proclaimed. We arm ourselves with a readiness to proclaim the good news of peace, to guide the feet of others into the way of peace. And so this Christmas season, are we standing in the peace of God? Standing in the presence of God, at peace with God, reconciled with him. At peace with our brothers and sisters and ready, with a readiness to proclaim the gospel, to sing The songs of peace, not only here in this sanctuary, but on the streets of Metro Vancouver, empowered by the Spirit to proclaim the good news of the gospel of peace. Our world needs peace. We stand battle ready, having fastened the shoes, standing in the peace of Jesus and living at peace with others. Do you ever have doubts As you sing songs of worship or as you live your life, do you ever have doubts? Do you ever worry? Well, then the fourth piece of armor is essential. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That word take up, it was a word that was used by the military for an action just before the battle was to begin. If you look at the first three pieces of armor, Paul talks about fastening things to the body. You fasten the belt of truth. You, you fasten the breastplate. You, you put on the shoes. And then you start taking up things. You take up the shield of faith. This shield refers to the long, oblong shield that a, a Roman soldier would use, about a meter high, three quarters of a meter wide. It was layered with wood and, and linen and leather glued together, metal on the top, metal on the bottom, a metal boss at the center that would deflect arrows coming in the direction of the soldier. The enemy would fire darts, flaming darts. These arrows, they were tipped in toe and then dipped in pitch and lit on fire. What are these flaming arrows in our lives? Well, again, Satan is a defeated foe, but he comes with lies. He comes with doubt about the truth. He comes with worrisome thoughts in relation to the future. He would like us to be discouraged because of delayed answers to prayer. But, and is there a shield that will extinguish all of the darts of the enemy? Well, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's interesting that this shield of the Roman soldier was actually soaked in water so that when the arrows came in the direction of the Roman soldier, they would land on that shield and be extinguished. What is the 
shield that will extinguish all of the darts of the enemy. Well, it's that shield of faith, shield of faith in Jesus, not faith in ourselves, not faith in our own faith. It's not us working up our faith. It is faith in Jesus himself, washed, watered by the Spirit. Paul prays for the Ephesians in this way, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he, the Father, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, of course it's the love of Christ, later in that same prayer, verse 19, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so our faith in Christ extinguishes all of the darts of the enemy. We entrust ourselves to him because it's his battle. We entrust ourselves to Jesus. And he extinguishes the flaming arrows that are coming in our direction, those thoughts of doubt, those wearisome thoughts, those anxious thoughts. He goes to battle for us. We walk with a faith that lays hold of the love of Christ, the power of God, the promises of God. You'll remember Abraham. The children just referred to him in their presentation. We studied the life of Abraham this last summer. Abraham, of course, was 100 years old. His wife, 90. How would he continue to walk with faith that he and Sarah would have a son in their old age? Romans chapter 4, verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And so as Abraham worshipped, as he gave glory to God, as he communed with God, his faith grew stronger and stronger, and he believed more and more in the God who was able to raise the dead, who was able to call into existence things that didn't exist. So we stand battle ready in the day of doubt and worry, taking up the shield of faith, faith in Jesus, and then we walk by faith. Do you ever feel that you don't uh, quite measure up? That there's something wrong in your life that you just cannot make right and you carry shame. Can't get rid of it. You will never get it right. You will never be good enough. Well, then this next piece of armor is for you. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet obviously protected the head of the Roman soldier. It was made of bronze or iron. It had cheek pieces. It often had a hinged visor protecting the head. It could only be pierced with an axe or a hammer. What is our helmet? Well, in the midst of attack, in the midst of onslaughts of the evil, and we stand battle ready with joy and confidence because we have been saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So we stand having been saved from the penalty of sin, saved from Satan's bondage. We've been set free. We've been adopted into the family of God. We're not working for our salvation. We're not trying to measure up. No, we have been saved. That's a present reality. 
And we will be saved. We're walking toward resurrection glory. We're walking toward being transformed into the likeness of Christ. God will accomplish his purposes in our lives. We have been saved. And when we walk in the reality of being saved, well, then we're empowered by the Spirit to walk away from sin. There's actually power to not sin, to not fall into sexual immorality, to not fall into slander, to not fall into rebellion. Come what may, we stand battle ready, taking up the helmet of salvation in Jesus' present and future, and walking in the light of it now. Walking in the light of it now. And then there's a sixth piece of armor. And this sixth piece of armor, it's the only one which can be used on defense and also on offense. What would it be? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of a Roman soldier, it was a short, straight dagger, double-edged. You could actually pierce the armor of the enemy with that dagger. How is the Word of God like a sword? Interesting that the sword was actually fastened to the belt, the belt of truth. And so the Word is the Word of truth. The Word of God is spirit-breathed. The Word of God, it's to be wielded like a sharp, two-edged sword. It can be used in more than one way. So on defense, just think of Jesus in the wilderness. He's being tempted by the enemy, and how does he stand? Well, he recites Scripture. He goes back to the book of Deuteronomy and just speaks forth the Word of God to the enemy. We have that weapon in our hands if the Word of God is in our hearts and in our minds. On offense, how would it be used? Well, the sword is also in our hands and on our lips as we proclaim the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit. In evangelism, the word of God has cutting power. It can gently slice through a calloused, hardened heart. We stand battle ready, taking up the sword, the written word of God spoken forth. And then there is one last weapon, which is to pervade all of the armor. It's the pervasive supernatural weapon of spiritual warfare. What is it? Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. All six pieces of armor are to be bathed in prayer. It's the means of fastening the belt, of fastening the breastplate, of putting on the shoes. It's the means of taking up the shield, taking up the helmet, taking up the sword. All bathed in prayer. We stand battle ready, praying in the spirit and staying awake at every opportunity as we take up the armor. We pray in the spirit. We don't pray alone. One of the enemies, or sorry, one of the strategies of the enemy is to have us think that we stand alone. It's the place that Elijah fell into. After a tremendous victory, he felt like he was alone. The enemy would have us think that we stand alone. No, we pray in the spirit, in communion with God, in the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit guides us, prompts us, leads us into truth. We rest in God, as Isaiah 30, 15 says, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. 
In the presence of God, we're, we're led by the Spirit into truth, and we're reminded that the battle is the Lord's and that he is victorious. As we put on the armor, we're standing in Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter 13, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and keeps us alert. We stay awake. We're on our guard, as Paul says. Remember Jesus in the garden. And he's urging his disciples to stay awake. They are unaware of the oncoming battle. Not aware of the fact that they just may fall into temptation. And so often, that is our experience as well. We sleep when we should be attentive. The scriptures remind us the devil's on the prowl. He's like a hungry lion. He's like a wolf, comes after the herd, looking for points of weakness. So stay awake. Through prayer, we wait on the Lord and we renew our strength. Prayer is to permeate everything. Notice the fourfold all. At all times. With all perseverance. With all prayer and supplication. For all the saints. And so again, we are not meant to walk alone. We are to bathe one another in prayer. Praying for each other in the workplace. Praying for each other in the neighborhoods where we live. Praying for our families. Praying for our walk together in Jesus. We are to be a house of prayer, a people of prayer. Our daily walk is to be bathed in prayer. Every opportunity. We stand battle ready, praying in the spirit and staying awake for the needs of all members of the body of Christ. And then Paul says, verse 19, and also for me. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Interesting that Paul is humble enough to ask for prayer. He realizes that he needs prayer in order to stand, in order to be faithful. He was called to Jesus on the Damascus Road, and when he was called, he was given a mission to be a witness to the things that he had seen, to be a witness among the Gentiles, to call people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so he's aware of the fact that he's in a spiritual battle, and he asks for prayer. On a normal Sunday, we would have a time of prayer during the worship time, and people come up to pray And every time that we go for a prayer, we're just identifying with people like Paul and saying, hey, I need prayer. We all do. Paul's in chains. Ironic, isn't it? He's an ambassador of Christ, and what he wears is some chains. At that time, an ambassador would wear a necklace, a necklace that would somehow communicate that the government being represented was wealthy, powerful, dignified. Paul wears chains. He doesn't ask to be released from those chains. He asks for prayer, for words, that he will speak clearly, plainly, concealing nothing. That he will speak fearlessly, 
boldly, without compromise. He probably knows that his mission is nearing its end. This is not a virtual reality for him. This is real life. The Caesar of that day was Nero. He was paranoid. No one knew what he would do next. So a day of uncertainty, but Paul, he has armed himself with the armor of God. And in that moment, he asks for clarity. He asks for courage to continue to proclaim the gospel freely. He doesn't ask to be unchained. He asks that his tongue be unleashed. And against such a prayer, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of darkness, the spiritual forces of evil, they are helpless. And so for two years, Jews and Gentiles, they come to see Paul in Rome. And we read at the end of the book of Acts, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance, boldly. So he's chained, but he's free. Jews and Gentiles coming to him, soldiers being chained to him, one after another, shift after shift, Captive audience, Paul proclaiming the gospel. His final battles are in the courtroom of Caesar, and it appears that, of course, all of the power, all of the wealth, all of the might is on the side of Rome, and Paul is just there in weakness, powerless, helpless. When he writes to the Philippians from Rome, he pens these words. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So as the battle rages, Paul stands. (laughs) And the kingdom that has already won wins. And more and more people come to faith as he clearly, boldly proclaims the gospel. May we stand battle ready praying in the spirit, staying awake, praying for words and boldness to proclaim the gospel clearly. May we stand battle ready every day, standing in Jesus, having put on the armor of God. This Christmas season, may we proclaim the good news of Jesus boldly and clearly for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. So Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you for entrusting your word to us. Oh God, forgive us when we take your word for granted. We forget that you have preserved it for us. It's your work of grace. Forgive us for when we don't meditate on it, when it's, we don't treasure it in our hearts, in our minds. Forgive us for when we don't live by it and we are unaware of the battle around us. We're unaware of your activity in our day, your sovereignty over all things. We are not aligned with your purposes, Lord. And so may we now take up the armor. May we take up the armor every day, Lord. And so we fasten the belt of truth. In Jesus, we proclaim that you are the truth. We put on the truth. We stand in the truth. 
May we walk in the truth, Lord. May we speak the truth in love. We put on the breastplate of righteousness and we recognize again, Lord, that we can only stand before the Father because of your righteousness, Jesus. May we, under the empowerment of your spirit, live rightly. May we put on the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. May we just rest in peace, Lord, your peace. We're at peace with you. May we make peace with others. May we be known as peacemakers. May we have the gospel of peace on our lips, Lord. Lord, may we take up the shield of faith, faith in you. Faith that you will do the impossible in our day. May we walk by faith. May we put on the helmet of salvation and just stand wearing the helmet of salvation. We have been saved by you. We are being saved and we will be saved. Your purposes will be accomplished. And so we rest secure, Lord, in this salvation that we have received by your grace. May we take up the sword of the Spirit, your word, Lord, May we immerse ourselves in your word. May we know your word. May we use it rightly. May we proclaim your word. Oh God, may we bathe each other in prayer. How we need prayer, Lord. May we be a house of prayer. Just walking in dependence on you. Calling out to you to do more than we could ever ask or imagine in our day, Lord. For your glory, may your kingdom come. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.